0: moment as we begin reading in verse 35, and we'll read on through verse 39 of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, the Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as the sheep, as sheep for the slaughter." Nay, in all things, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about this idea of who shall separate us. And when you think about being separated. uh, You can think uh, just to place room between somebody or to divide. And the idea is to be moving away from a person or to be in a situation where you're pulling away from it. One of the things I began to think about was King Solomon one day. Uh, He had a task that was set before him by the Lord. And I want you to turn in the Old Testament, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 3. Keep your finger there in 1 Kings chapter 3. And I want to begin reading in verse 16. And I just want you to think about what God is teaching us here uh, in the Scriptures about this idea of separation. And so in First Kings chapter 3, if you're with me, say amen. First Kings chapter 3, look at verse 16. Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day, after that, I was delivered, that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me, while thine handmaid slept, and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose, in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, to be conformed ah uh, yeah—I jumped way ahead of us. I meant to turn the page. To be—uh—to behold was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, "Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son." And this—and uh, this said, "No, but the dead is thy son, and the living." is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, the one saith, this is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, nay, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman who uh, the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, "O my Lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it." But the other said, "Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it." Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it; she is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of the God was made in him to do judgment. the wisdom of God. I want you to hold on to that phrase, because that's what gave Solomon what he needed to be able to solve this situation. Now, when we're talking about separation, we're talking about in King Solomon's day, what they were going to do is actually divide that baby in half to split it to these two women. But the one whose child it was said, no, 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 don't do that, right? She did not want her child to die. She didn't want it to be divided. She wanted it to live. And I began to think about this a little bit, about the wisdom of God and the power of God and who shall separate us from the love of Christ. And 1 Corinthians one twenty four, the Bible says, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. That wisdom that came to Solomon in that day to uh, solve that situation came from above, not from within. And I believe what kept the one mother from allowing this to happen is that she had a relationship with this baby. There was blood involved, wasn't there? (laughs) And I just want you to get a hold of this this morning, that that was her child, uh, that was whom she loved, and, and that child belonged to her. Rather than see that child die, she uh, was willing to give that child away rather than to watch it die. She didn't want it divided. She wanted it to live. And so there was this separation that was going to take place that Solomon brought before them. And so the one whose child it was not, what did she say? Go ahead and have at it. <laughs> Why? Because there was no relationship there, was there? but the one who had a relationship with the baby, it meant everything to her for her to live. Now, I want to challenge you on some thinking today when we get to this. The same is true of our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a relationship established, but it's based upon His blood. And there is a love that He has for His child, and He would never sever that or allow it to happen between us. He's not going to sever that relationship. He shed His blood that we might live. And here's the thing. I think that woman would be willing to give her own life to save her child. And the fact is, is that what she didn't want is did not want to watch that child die. And I I began to think that our Savior saves us through his shed blood. He doesn't want us to enter into an eternal hell and to die for all eternity. He wants us to live. And so he was willing to sacrifice himself in the place of that situation. Yet we can find ourselves departing from our Savior, and we will find many reasons to justify our separation from the love of Christ. But listen, he will not allow us to separate from him he has, or he will not allow himself to separate from us. He is with us. He is in us. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit resides in us. God's with us. Now we can break fellowship at times, but Jesus Christ doesn't depart from us. He stays with us. He's with us all times. So when you look at this to justify our separation in the love of Christ, Christ will not allow that to happen between us, but we make choices, and here's what I'm driving at this morning. Are you making choices based upon your circumstances? to separate from the love of Christ. When you think this through, the shed blood of Christ is what keeps him from separating from those who have trusted in his blood, establishing that relationship, that eternal relationship with us. And so as we look at these passages, I want you to get a hold of this verse in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, as we think this through this morning, we're going to talk about the love of Christ. We're going to talk about being more than conquerors. And we're going to talk about being persuaded by truth. And so there's some benefits as a saved person that we can have uh, as a saved individual, knowing that these truths are fact according to the Scriptures. And when I look to this, I think about the love of Christ. And so look at this with me, if you will, in verse 34. He said, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to separate us? Now this is a question that I think bears answering, Although it's a rhetorical question, I think it still bears answering because who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? And I I got to looking at this verse, and I want you to think this through. He says in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he doesn't list people. He doesn't list individuals. He doesn't list anybody, but he begins to list circumstances, things that enter in. It's an amazing thought to me. He said, who? And then he said, look at all these circumstances. Notice what it says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He doesn't mention anyone. He said, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? So why does the Lord ask who and then list all these various troubles that can enter into this life? You know what I believe that is? Who's going to separate us? Now, he just promised us he's not going to separate from us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to do that? Then he lists all these things. And so it's either going to be me walking away because Christ is not moving, but it has to be me that's going to separate me from him. I'm going to walk away from Him because of trials or tribulations or heartaches or whatever affliction might enter in. I think the who is us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He's not naming an individual. He's naming situations that occur. So then the who then is either Christ or us. And we know the Savior just told us that he's not going to separate from us. And he said up in verse 31, if God be for us, who could be against us then? God's on our team. He's on our side. So what's going to cause me to separate from the love of Christ? So we, through our troubles, may find that we have a cause to walk away from him. And he's always going to love those that are his. And he uses all the things that happen in our lives to help us. It's never to hurt us. And so sometimes when hardships or uh, headaches or uh, tribulations or trials or whatever the case may be enter into our lives... God's not trying to destroy us. He's trying to build us up. In this same chapter, look at verse 28 with me. Look at 828. And I want you to see what the Bible says here. He said, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his what? Purpose. All things work together for good. So you enter into a trial or you enter into a tribulation, and Christ is now saying, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to separate us from the love of God? How is that going to happen? And the only thing that can happen is these things can enter in, and we can make decisions to pull away from him. Now, as I think about this, our afflictions will be used of God to bring glory to his name and spiritual growth for us. He said in John 14, 21, He, uh, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. That word, manifests is to bring delight. He'll show you his love. If you'll obey him, it's when we start to disobey and we run into these trials and we run into these tribulations and we run into these troubles and we start to pull away from God. God's not moving. In fact, the scriptures teach us in James chapter four, he said, draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. I do not believe for a moment that God's moving. Come on up here, Jim. Stand right here. I don't believe for a moment that God's moving. I believe God is positioned in heaven, and what happens is He said, Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. So if I'm getting close to Him, amen, I know He loves me. Amen. (laughs) Here we are, I'm close to Him. But when trials and tribulations come, instead of drawing close to Him, what do we have a tendency to do? Now let's be honest with ourselves. What do we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency to pull away, don't we? We have a tendency to walk away from God. And sometimes the more difficult the situation, the further we distance ourselves from Him. Rather than do what the Scripture is saying, it says, draw nigh unto God, and He'll draw nigh unto you. Now, He tells us in that same passage, to cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify ye hearts, ye double-minded. Double-mindedness is what causes us to do what? Pull away from Him. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the what? Devil. Devil, and what will He do? He'll flee from you, won't He? He'll get away from you. And God, in that same set of passages, says, draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you. Amen? Love this guy. So here's what I want to challenge you with in your thoughts is this. You can have a seat, Jim. I want to challenge you in your thoughts this morning. When trials, when troubles, when tribulation, look at the list that he put here. He said, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He's saying, whatever enters in, I want you to know... Who is going to separate us? He's not going to separate from you. In fact, when you got saved, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit in you. Amen? So Jesus Christ is with you. He is inside of you. He's not separating from you. You can break fellowship with God. And I believe sometimes when some of these things enter in, we end up separating from God. We pull ourselves away from Him. We separate from the thing, the very thing that can help us with what we have need of. And he's there to help us in those situations. Now, I don't believe for a moment God does not shelter us from our difficulties of this life. But I believe he uses those troubles to help us to grow spiritually. I know that sometimes when things are going well, I'm not growing as spiritually as I do when sometimes things are going wrong. How many of you will admit that tonight, this morning? Amen. Think about it, when things are going wrong, man, all of a sudden your mind's like, what in the world? And it's through those times that God uses those in a greater way to help us spiritually. I've learned more in my trials than I ever did on the mountaintops. (laughs) I've learned more in my trials than I ever have on the mountaintops. And it's when those trials come that we draw close to him. And here's the thing, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What's gonna pull you away from him? He's not pulling away from you. So, if you're going to allow these distresses and these tribulations and these trials and and the sword and the peril, whatever it might be, if that's causing you to pull away, I want you to know He's not leaving your side. He's there for you. And He's ready to help you in your time of need. Now, when you think about this for a moment, we may find ourselves wandering away from the love of Christ because of tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or what have you. But Christ will never separate His love from us, even when we wander because of our trials. Now, I just shared with you about drawing nigh to Him, and I think something happens sometimes. We get so busy looking for a reason to run or depart that we forget He wants us to draw close to Him. The trouble enters in, and what do we start doing? We're looking for a reason to run. (laughs) We're looking for a reason to get out rather than a reason to draw closer to Him. And I want to give you a few verses. You can write these down. We're not going to turn to all these this morning. The love of Christ is what penned the following words that I'm going to share with you. In Psalm 55, Psalm 55:22, he said, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Now, I want you to know something. In that passage, he didn't say he would take it away. He never told me that he was going to take away. But what he did tell me is he'll sustain thee. He'll sustain me in the midst of it all. He said, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He never said it's going away. But what he's looking for inside that relationship is the very fact that you'll draw close to him. He'll sustain you in that situation. He'll help you. He'll take care of you in those times. In Hebrews four sixteen and then thirteen five, he said, "Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need." And then in thirteen five, he said, "I will never leave thee nor forsake thee." So if that's true, how many of you believe the word of God's true this morning? Say Amen. If you believe that's true, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It can only be us. It can only be choices that we're making. It can only be our desire to run and depart from him because of what's entering into our lives. And instead of allowing it to cause us to grow spiritually, it causes us to run. And yet, he said, cast your burden upon him. How many of you know 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all of your care upon him for he what? He cares for you. He cares about you. My Jesus, the one I love, loves you. And the fact is, is he loved me so much that he died for me. So therefore, why would I not think that he can't help me with other things in my life? He can help me, whether it be finances or physical problems or what have you. Brother Bill, since you've been down, I've been praying for you every day, man. Every day you're on my mind. And the reason that I do that is because I know how difficult it is to be there in the position that you're in, and to be down. And I know how active of a man you are. And I know the things that you enjoy doing. And I have pleaded with God to help your body to heal completely. Now, why would I do that? Because I have a powerful God. Amen? Amen. Brother Bill Howard, I pray for you every day. Every day I pray, God, take away that pain in your side. Don't, don't, Don't misunderstand me. I pray for each and every one of you by name. Because we all have trouble, we all have trials, and we all have tribulation, do we not? We all have distresses, we all have these problems. And listen, I don't want any of you separating from God. I don't want any of you separating from Jesus Christ. I want you to draw closer to Him. And As we draw close to Him, we'll draw close to one another. And boy, what an effect we can have on others by our closeness. It's called unity of the faith, isn't it? And God can have effect that way. Casting all of your care upon him, for he cared for you. Christ Jesus will never separate his love from you, and he will always sustain you. Christ will always sustain you, no matter what the trial is. Whatever you're going through, Christ will sustain you. He'll help you in your time of need. Now think about this. We're able to have victory in our trials. Look at verse 36. He said, As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors to him that loved us. And, you know, obviously this is Paul writing and he's saying, Hey, look, you know, every day we're dying to self pretty much so that we can bring forth the gospel to you so that you may live. And he's talking about some physical things that you might go through. And Paul was communicating to the believers at Rome every day. He said, I will die to self that I may bring forth the truth of Christ unto them. So to mortify or to put to death is to set aside what is your need, if you will, and you're trying to meet the needs of others. Folks, the best way we can meet the needs of one another is to pray to a holy, righteous God to meet those needs. Now, we can step in, and we may be able to assist financially, or we may be able to go over and lend a helping hand, and we may be able to do those kinds of things, but I want to tell you we ought to be praying for one another deeply. (laughs) Because Christ, Christ is what unifies the body. Christ is what brings the body together. Christ is the one that unifies this situation. He's the one that makes us more than conquerors to mortify or to put to death and to set aside what is the need of this life. He's simply a part of the inventory of, the, of, of, of those that are going to be killed, if you will. He's saying, take account to this. He said, it's a, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted, that's an accounting term. We are accounted or we're counted as inventory for the slaughter, for death. And he says, but we're more than conquerors. (laughs) Nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors. And why can we be that way? How many of you know Philippians 4.13? If I just say the verse, you say, well, I know that verse. I can do all things through what? Christ, which strengthens me. How many of you know that verse? How many of us want to live it when the time comes? (laughs) When the time comes and we need it, sometimes we forget it because we're not willing to live it. And the reality is, is what he's teaching us here is something beautiful. This is clearly that a personal sacrifice that the Lord speaks of in Romans chapter 1. How many of you know this? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living, what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. Now listen to this. This blows a gasket for me. Which is your reasonable service. It's just what you're supposed to be doing. You know, and I've shared this with you before. When I read this verse, I don't get it. How is one a living sacrifice? To sacrifice something is to put it to death. It has that idea to mortify it or to do away with it. How do I become a living sacrifice then? That has to mean, by Paul's words, by God's word, that this is me dying to self and living for Christ. What makes us more than conquerors? our life in Christ Jesus, not in our own strength or power, what makes us the champions that we ought to be, the victors that we ought to be. It's Christ Jesus. It's not us winning the championship. It's not us, uh, you know, praying for an awful team like the Maple Leaves or anything like that. It's just us praying for like the Pittsburgh Picklins, right? And uh, so, but what I'm sharing with you is this. God is on our side. <laughs> Amen. If you go back to verse 31, it says, if God be for us, who can be against us. Isn't that wonderful? We're more than conquerors. We are champions. We are the victors because of what Christ has accomplished. Now, when you think about this, the difficulties of this life are not necessarily obstacles that God places in our way, but I believe they're appointed by Him at times, and I can prove that according to Job. How many of you would agree? There were obstacles placed in Job's way to prove what great God we serve. And we see a man go through great trial, great tribulation, and, and when it occurred in his life, God's the one that permitted that to occur. Now, he wasn't tempting Job to do wrong. He was trying to prove that through it all, Job was going to stay faithful to God. And, and as you think about this, I want you to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians with me, if you will. I want you to look at our 2 Corinthians uh, Turn there with me. You're there in uh, Romans. Just turn over to 2 Corinthians. You'll have 1 Corinthians and then 2 Corinthians. I want you to turn to chapter 4. Now, we're on the subject of being more than conquerors, and I want you to see this. And you know, folks, when you're in the ministry, a lot of things happen, a lot of things come your way when you're in the ministry. I know we come into an auditorium like this, and you hear the preaching on Sunday morning, but not really knowing what goes on in people's lives all week long. Do you know who knows? <laughs> Jesus Christ knows, doesn't he? See, you can come in and shake my hand. I say, how's it going this week, brother? Oh, man, it's good. And you're lying through your teeth. You know it had not been good all week long. <laughs> you're not being honest with yourself or honest with God, and you say, well, I don't want to dump my problems on anybody else. What would be wrong with saying, you know what, preacher? It was a rough week, <laughs> I need your prayers. It's okay to say that. You don't have to give me all the details. Here, I've outlined it for you, preacher. You can use this. (laughs) But sometimes we just go through hardships, don't we? We Go through hard times. You say, what is the purpose in all of this? And God tells us in the scriptures, we're more than conquerors. So as we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse uh, 14. He said, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed how, folks, day by day. Notice verse 17. This is tough. For our light affliction, (laughs) which is but for a moment. Now I want to ask you something. Look at me for just a moment. I want to challenge us here. If you're going through something, how many of you right now would say, you know what, that's just a light affliction? <laughs> Some of the stuff we're going through, we get aggravated, don't we? Man, I'm going to tell you, if you saw me at home sometimes, I got these lower back problems, and if you heard me whining and crying at the house, like I can't hardly move, <laughs> amen? And the thing of it is, is that God says, that's a light affliction, it's but for a what? Moment. But for a moment. Do you know what would cause your mind to shift and say, you know what, this is but for a moment, is your relationship with Jesus Christ. How are you walking with him today? You see, if I'm going to view things the way the scriptures teach, I have to have a good relationship with my Savior, don't I? Amen. I have to be walking with him day after day because I then will turn to my flesh And my problem will overwhelm me. My distress will overwhelm me. My peril will overwhelm me. The sword will overwhelm me. The nakedness will overwhelm me. The distresses, the the tribulations, they'll begin to overwhelm me if I am not walking close to my Savior. It'll just take over. Why? Because that pleases the old flesh, doesn't it? It pleases the flesh to do that. But what pleases the Savior is you recognize... This is but a light affliction. And you say, how do you do that, preacher? He says this, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Sometimes we cannot see what God's doing. Do you know sometimes a trial might enter into your life And God's allowing that to enter in because He's trusting you are going to handle that according to His Word and to His way and that someone else might actually be observing your life and that when they see you go through this and you go through that trial and you give glory to God and God turn that situation around and then they realize that you trusted in your God to help you get through your problem and they watched you do it and they didn't watch you faint in the midst of your trial or your distress or your problem or whatever was overwhelming you and that, my folks, gives glory to God and testifies of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> when that trial enters in. And so God may want to use your life. Oh, did he use Job's life? Of course he did. I mean, he had three fellows come over there and kind of put Job in his place. And you say, why not Elihu? Because the fact is, is that he himself decided that he was not going to say the reason this is all happening to Job is because he's an unrighteous man. But he admitted that no man is righteous, and that God allowed this trial to enter into Job's life. And he was very different than the other three fellows. But the other three fellows ended up with the problem that Job had. How I many of you saw that? It was difficult. But we are more than conquerors (laughs) through him that loved us. He teaches us something. Our ability to conquer in this life is not our own power or strength, but is given to us by the one who loved us. And I asked myself as I was putting this together, and I want to challenge you to do the the same thing. How dependent are you on Jesus Christ? How dependent are you really on Jesus Christ? How dependent are you really on Christ? The one who died for you, how dependent are you on him? Well, oh, I think he wants us to be totally dependent on him for everything. As, as I thought about that in Luke 12, 4 and 5, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after they have uh, no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him, which after he hath killed hath the power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. I believe one of the biggest problems in local churches today is there's no fear of God anymore. That I fear. I fear there's no fear of God anymore. If, it, if there was a fear of God, things would begin to shift, even amongst the believers. And we ought to have a fear of Him. Hey, listen, God's the one that's the judge, and there's going to be souls cast into a lake of, hell, a lake of fire forever and eternal hell. I was talking with someone the other day, and they, they made this comment, and just in the course of our conversation, it impacted my mind so much. He said, Pastor, there is such a battle for souls. There's such a battle for souls. How many of you believe that this morning? The devil is battling for souls. I don't know when the end's coming, but I know there's a battle for souls. And in the midst of that, as they were speaking, I also had this thought in my mind. Not only is there a battle for souls, man, there is a battle going on a spiritual battle in heaven. And what's happening is, is that there is a battle to keep Christians not kneeling, but failing. The devil wants to keep you either so busy or keep your mind so occupied with your trials, your troubles, and your tribulations that we don't see that we're more than conquerors to Christ Jesus, the one who loved us. We get caught up in our moment, don't we? How many of you understand what I'm talking about this morning, right? We get caught up in our moment and we let that dominate our time. We let that dominate our minds. As conquerors through Christ, who loved us, we have the power of Almighty God on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? I mean, God's on our team. And God possesses us. God indwells those that know Jesus Christ as Savior. So he's in us. So the language used here is very strong. And this is the same position that we ought to have. Even as Paul did while in prison in Rome, he said, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We're more than just champions. We're more than just victors. We are a victorious team in Christ Jesus. Amen? Because death's been swallowed up in victory. Amen? And so if I'm saved, I'm on the victor's side. Amen. That's what makes us more than conquerors. And it doesn't matter what trial, what tribulation, what distress, what problem you're dealing with. Listen, if you're walking with Christ, believe me, it is but a light affliction. It's but for a moment. And boy, I just need to turn to him in my trial of affliction. The love of Christ gives the believer the powerful benefit of being more than a conqueror. You know, he holds eternal life, doesn't he? And so if you've trusted him as Savior, if he can save your soul for an eternal life, Uh, 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 lifetime. Uh, What about what I'm going through right now, Lord? What about the problem I'm having right now? Is he there to help you? Oh, believe me, he is. He is. And the last thought is this, we have to be persuaded of that truth. If you go back to Romans chapter 8 with me, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 38. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Now notice this, which is in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. What's going to separate you? I can pull away because of my troubles, my trials, my tribulations, and my problems but you have to remain, be, be, remain convinced that, that the place that Christ holds in your life is what helps you to become more than a conqueror. The love of Christ is what should persuade us of the truth. When we open the scriptures, understand you're reading the word of God. And so the power is in the word. When someone is fully persuaded, often they're completely convinced in the matter. And this is what happens. We have total confidence in it. You know, I've, I've watched the Steelers for years, and I'd watch them play in Super Bowls. And I would be convinced that they were going to win. But until the scoreboard said so, I wasn't totally, completely convinced. One year, I was convinced that they were going to beat the Green Bay Packers. And they did not. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is that just because I'm totally convinced doesn't mean that it will happen. But this is different. Amen. Amen. This is very different, isn't it? He's already paid the price. He's already won the championship. Are you with me? He's already the victor. And what he's saying is, would you trust in the victor? He's already done. He's already completed it. And we have to have that persuasion in us. If you underline this in your Bible, he said, for I am persuaded, I am convinced of this. And we ought to be the same. When you look at it, nothing in the universe is outside of God's control. There's Therefore, nothing can separate us from that eternal love. Nothing's going to separate us. In, in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6, I love this uh, verse. He said, and I heard as the voice of a great multitude and in the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying, hallelujah. What is the next phrase? The Lord God omnipotent does what? Reigneth. Reigneth. He's in control of all things. And so why could I not be persuaded that the Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. You see, we allow those trials to do so. Once you are saved, you're immediately in the company of the conquerors. And this is a position given to us by Christ Jesus, the one who is the victor, the one who is the champion, the one who's already told us he's had victory over death. Amen? He's the one that said he's conquered all this stuff. He's the one that's talking to us in these passages. He's the one that's saying, listen, nothing should separate us. Nothing will separate us. Paul says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life. Now think about that. If I'm saved, guess what's not going to separate me from the love of God? Death. It's not going to separate me. And when you look at this, he said, nor life where I am presently, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Hey, listen, there's no height, no depth, no nothing, no creature that's ever going to separate us from the love of God. But notice that he says, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's where it abides. That's where it is. And believe me, if you're saved, he abides. He's in us. He's with us. He's there to help us. We need to be persuaded of this. There comes an inward certainty that you uh, have whenever you really trust Christ as Savior, folks. On October 12, 1995, I prayed and I asked Jesus Christ to save my soul from an eternal hell. Heaven is my home. I have not doubted it since that day. I believe that if you come at this moment, I'm on my way out of here. If the rapture occur, I've told Jim Lively, please feed my dogs while I'm gone. Amen. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, is that we should have that kind of persuasion, persuasion, being that convinced of the situation. How many of you are like that? You see, when the trouble comes and when the trial comes, we don't want to depart from God. We want to draw closer to Him. He says, draw nigh unto God and He'll draw nigh unto you. You know, when you get to verse 10 of that, he said, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall, what? Lift you up. I believe it's us coming down off our ladder. Would you agree? Because if you look at that, there's some steps we need to come down. Amen? When you think of humility, there's a lowliness there. And we see him for who he really is and what he's capable of. And so we come down. Is there something that's entered into your life right now, folks? Maybe you perhaps have been to this place, or maybe you're here now, I don't know. Maybe you're at that place where you said, I'm finished, Lord, I don't want to do this no more. I'm done. I was talking to uh, someone a couple weeks ago, and they said this to me, it Almost, it, it almost ripped my heart out. And they said to me, you know what, Pastor? I'm trying to do this on my own, and I know I can't do it on my own. I've tried to walk away from God. And I sat there and just looked at him. you know, and they said, I'm trying to do it on my own. Don't do it on your own. If you're saved, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to go through it by yourself. Hey, listen, Paul said at one point, no man stood with me, but Jesus Christ stood by me, didn't he? No man stood with me, but Christ alone. I want to challenge you in your thinking about being persuaded of truth. When you open this book, know that it's real. (laughs) Know that it is the Word of God. As we think about Jeremiah, he said this, and believe me, I know a lot of preachers that go through this. In Jeremiah 20, and verse 9, he said, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, <laughs> I'm done, I'm finished. What's Jeremiah saying? I ain't doing this no more. <laughs> now listen, he had something to have problems with, didn't he? See, in our mind, when we think about being in the stocks, we're down in Williamsburg taking a picture with our hands through the stocks and our feet out and we're smiling everybody everybody's taking a photograph of us. Man, the stocks in those days were not like that. They would contort your body. They would hang you so that you could have no... Relaxation, no rest. Your body was so contorted all the time when they would put him in stocks. That was Jeremiah's situation. <laughs> Jeremiah is ticked off. I mean, he's mad. And he, he's in this situation, and he's looking to God, and he said, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. I'm not going to talk about him anymore. Every time I talk about him, man, I end up in stocks. <laughs> I end up in trouble, I end up in hardship, I end up in heartache every time I speak his name. And then he said this, but his word was in mine heart. Where is his word in your life? Where is his word in your life? But his word was in mine what? It was in him, wasn't it? He said, man, I'm mad and I'm upset and I want to walk away and I'm not going to talk about you anymore. I I just want you to leave me alone. But his word was in mine what? Heart. Now notice this. He said, It was in mine heart as a burning fire. <laughs> Where are you in your relationship with Christ? The stresses and trials and tribulations and heartaches and nakedness and perils and everything else. What's going to separate you from the love of Christ? <laughs> if God be for us, who can be against us? And as I read this passage, then said I, I will not make a mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire. Now listen to this and shut up. In my bones. Man, he couldn't help himself, could he? Boy, we ought to be that way. (laughs) He said, well, preacher, I hope you're like that. No, you know what? Preacher hopes all of you are like that. That you cannot not speak of him. That you cannot get to the place where you say, I don't want to talk about him anymore. I don't want to make mention of him anymore. Preacher, every time I do, I have troubles and trials and tribulations. Listen, that is but a light affliction. It's but for a moment, (laughs) Christ is on your side. And he said, I was weary with forbearing. I couldn't hold off anymore. I had to say something. Couldn't hold off anymore. Uh, you know, he, he, he says in the, in the last phrase of this, I could not stay. In other words, I could, not, I could not stay in that position. I could not stay over there not talking about him. Do you know what does that for you as a believer today? This book right here. This book right here. It will cause you to be persuaded of what we're talking about right now. It will cause your heart to be persuaded of who Jesus Christ really is in your life. Hey, listen, if he can save your soul from an eternal hell, can he help you with what you're going through at this very moment? There's no mountain he can't help you climb. There's no valley so deep he can't pull you out of it. I'm telling you, we have a savior above saviors. Amen. Amen. We have a name above all names. And his name is Jesus Christ. How many times have you thought of giving up or quitting? I just quit, man. I'm done. And you just want to quit. You know what I tell you? I believe in this old fashioned altar up here. How many of you believe in this old fashioned altar? Amen. And you can actually come up and turn it over to him. Casting all of your care upon him, for he what, care for you, casting all of your burden upon the Lord, He shall sustain thee. <laughs> God is the one who's going to carry you through. No matter what you're dealing with right now, in your mind, in your heart, whatever the thoughts may be, whatever's going on inside of you, the love of Christ provides the believer with some wonderful benefits. He said, "For I am persuaded, and I want to ask you this morning, are you? Are you persuaded? There's no circumstance that will remove the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, from you. If you're saved, you belong to him as a child. Now, that woman, that was her baby, wasn't it? And she was like, man, you ain't dividing my kid up. Do you know what? Christ doesn't want us to be divided between the world and him. He wants us to be all his. And we need to be persuaded of this truth and understand that we're more than conquerors because he loved us. Let's pray. Father, thank you.